Welcome back to Saved by the Belial Natrocious Ultraman podcast. This is a random bonus episode we're doing because we have a guest on with us this evening, the wonderful Pre. How are you, Pre? Even though we've been talking hey. for an hour and a half already. I am doing great and I am perfectly happy to talk for an hour and a half more. Hopefully this episode is not going to go that long. No, I, I don't think Chris would forgive me if we went for another hour and a half, <laughs> nor would my wife. But uh, yeah, this is uh, kind of picking just back up. Yeah, excuse me. We're picking back up from where we were last week and we wanted to discuss a few things that we didn't want to make this episode, well, I guess the previous episode, even longer. So... Pre. Yeah, we have to pretend that this isn't the same 10-minute stretch. Yeah. So last time we spoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, wow, I just completely blanked. I have those moments. Um, so yeah, with our last episode, we kind of hinted at the fact that we wanted to get into some of the more religious elements of Ultraman. And, I mean, I've seen some critiques from people saying that uh, Japan's a fairly non-religious sector of the world, which is not true. Um, but I would say maybe from a Christian standpoint, that might have some merit. But I don't know if it's really commonly known, but with E.G. Subarai being a Catholic, I can't be surprised when I find that religious imagery in the show. So what has been your experience with that? And what's, I mean, you had a really good thread about this a few weeks, I guess by this point, it'd be a few months back. Uh, about that imagery so kind of wanted to hear from you and you know hear your thoughts yeah so I did the thread actually on Palm Sunday uh, or sometimes called Passion Sunday because I wanted to talk about the connections between how crucifixion is used in the passion narrative and how it shows up in Ultraman shows so one thing that so well real, really quick in really quick so for oh, yeah. people who aren't familiar I'm going to be that person when you say the passion narrative what do you mean Oh, okay. No, that's definitely a good question. I sometimes forget my audience. Um, so the passion narrative refers to the part of the Gospels, so either one of the four Gospels, all of them deal with this, of the period of Jesus's suffering and death on a cross, and then eventually his resurrection. So by the passion narrative, we're talking about that entire thing, Jesus being arrested, being put to trial, being tortured, mm. all fun stuff to talk about, and his eventual death and resurrection. So um, when I say the passion narrative, I'm referring to those events. So one thing that tokusatsu in general and Ultraman specifically are kind of infamous for is having a lot of crucifixion. Yes. And somebody else, I can't remember who their tag or what their tag is now. And it's going to drive me nuts. But somebody else did a really good thread uh, last year talking about why that's sort of more of a thing in Japanese culture when it's considered in poor taste in Western culture. And a lot of it actually ties back to the history of Christianity in Japan because of the fact that uh, there was this great period of persecution for Christians in Japan. Uh, I forget what years it was. I'm not a historian, so I'm not very good at reciting this. But during the persecution, a lot of Christians were executed by being crucified. So that sort of memory, that historical event is tied together in a lot of visual elements that you see. So if you're trying to represent somebody, you know, being persecuted or suffering for their beliefs, a lot of times in Japanese culture, they're depicted as being on a cross because of that. So it carries a similar background, but again, it's used much more commonly in Japan than it is in the United States. 
but the way Ultraman uses it is really interesting because of what you mentioned that A.G. Tsuburaya is actually a Catholic convert. I don't quote me on this. I think his wife was Catholic and he converted after marrying her. But even the shows made after his death still carry a lot of very specific Christian themes. I we did a little bit of research on, and by we, I mean me and some other people in the fandom did a little bit of research. And we think that the guy that who was responsible for running Ultraman Ace was also Catholic, huh. which makes sense because Ultraman Ace probably has the most explicit example of this imagery, which is the Golgotha two-parter. Um, if you've seen uh, Ultraman Zed, you probably remember the villain, the kaiju from that, Baraba, Baraba which is Barabbas. Oh, I wonder and if that was just my where... theological insights churning too much. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the two-parter, the four Ultra Brothers, apart from Ace, all get put on a cross and crucified. But again, even though this is a common thing in Japanese culture, I felt like they used it in a very specifically Christian sense because of the way that it's recognizing, mm-hmm. again, sacrifice, but also new life and strength through resurrection that comes after that fact. So the thread that I did to wrap up this extremely long story, the thread that I did, I tried to explain that and illustrate the connections between how we think about the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then also how Ultraman tends to deal with those same themes. Yeah. And so that's something I've seen is, you know, again, people being like, well, it's not a Christian TV show. I'm like, well, of course it's not. It's not. Mm -hmm pretending to be but you're looking at a show that you know i can't really speak to common writer or uh you know super sentai very much but the the idea of self-sacrifice the idea of forgiveness the idea of compassion i mean really you could go through any through through the spirit and it's kind of present there in the ethics and the foundation of what ultraman is but i think part of that has to do with the fact that that's how the original series was set Right. I mean, it's the foundation and everything's being built off of that, you know, so you could go to a show like Ultraman Nexus where, you know, yes, they they make some references to like, you know, the book of Tobit and stuff like that, which anyone, I guess, could do that. But really that without getting into spoiler territories like Mizorogi's uh, arc in that show, I mean, it's so powerful. I actually remember being moved to tears when that, that whole thing got wrapped up. And it's again, this idea of like forgiveness and, you know, not dehumanizing others. Like it's funny to me that we're watching these superhero shows, however you want to define it, you know, these Japanese tokusatsu shows that have better morals and messages than almost anything that we're going to find here in the West. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not necessarily saying it's explicitly Christian, but, the the foundation is there so it's just funny like i mean it it doesn't have to quote bible verses for it to be like oh no like that's a very like christocentric or cruciform idea being present i love it that's why i i love showing it with my son like or having my son watch it with me excuse me because we have conversations about ethics and forgiveness and all the stuff that we never would have in any other context like it inspires those conversations And it is interesting because compared to times I can remember crucifixes in Sentai, those are more just like shocking images than they might have that same kind of what you were talking about, the self-sacrifice. It's just like they were captured and they're getting held on a crucifix. 
So even the imagery, the imagery might be shared a little, but the the use is definitely different. And to be perfectly honest, uh, as far as I can tell, the first time a Toku show has ever shown its hero being crucified was Ultra 7, the Guts two-parter. As far as I can tell, that's the first time because Kamen mm. Rider and Sentai and everything else came after that point. So I don't think I've as seen far that as we one. know, they may just be picking it up from that. Yeah. You said the guts two-parter. The the uh penguin looking aliens that drain all his energy and leave him in the crystal. Yeah, I don't think I got that far. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that is in the second half of yeah, the Yeah, I'm seeing that episode 3940. Yeah, I didn't get that far. I love alien guts okay. though. It's such a cool <laughs> design. Yep. But so I guess here here's a question then. So do you feel that do you feel that this imagery is like for people who aren't Christians, right? Because the three of us are. And do you think that it's explicit enough? Like, have you heard people say it turns them off from the series because of that? Or like do you think it's something that is just done well enough where it wouldn't be unappealing? No, I've never heard anybody say that it puts them off of it. Uh, and I think for the reasons that you mentioned why you like watching it with Jasper, your son, uh, just you like it, the messages about forgiveness, redemption, uh, of kindness, of reaching out to other people, of charity. Those are all virtues that anybody, regardless of whether they're Christian or not, can aspire to and see as something good that should be promoted. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that people really connect to. And I think that's what the shows in the modern day, even again, when you're not running, when it's not being run by somebody who's coming from that background, anybody can empathize with those virtues or those values. So it's impressive that those themes have remained so strong. But again, you don't have to be Christian to understand why they're important. Mm -hmm. So another question I have for you is I've seen a lot of conversations, whether it's Ultraman or Godzilla, that we're going to kind of pivot here, is the Showa era is the definitive whatever, right? That's where it was the best, and it's never going to get better than that. The messaging was more serious. It had more meaning. And I think I, think I was messaging about this because I'm watching, you know, SSSSSS Gridman right now. And... <laughs> I, I feel like the the microscope that it puts over like identity and online culture and stuff like that, I think that is more important than trying to have a discussion about, you know, anti-war rhetoric or any I mean, like, because obviously when the, the show era of these these shows and movies are coming out, you know, we had the Cold War going on. It was still post-World War II. Still, it's always going to be, but you know what I mean? It's a little bit closer in the rear view. Um, so my question is, I mean, you have completely different eras, whether it's the the Showa era, um, which, I mean, isn't even a monolith, right? You have Ultraman 80 and Ultraman sharing the same, the same spot there. But you know what I mean? So you have one spectrum and the other. So how have you dealt with that, I guess, tension that people try to inject into the conversation, right? Like, what has been your experience with that? This is something I had to kind of work through when I was watching Common Rider because the, the you see the same divide in any part of the Toku fandom where you have people who are like, oh, the Showa era is the best and the modern shows are just 
all they do is sell toys and they're just shallow Toyetic, limitations yeah. for marketing yeah. and all that sort of thing. The so the same were. arguments popped up there. And one thing I realized as I was going back through and looking at old common Rider shows and that I later found a similar idea when I was looking at old Ultraman shows is nobody involved with these shows at any time, regardless of whether we're talking about Showa, New Gen, whatever, are set out to make a bad show. Mm. They are working with mm-hmm. what they have. They have a very specific, clear, artistic vision of a story that they want to tell, of characters that they want to do, of cool fight effects that they want to put on camera. And they do what they have to do to bring that vision to the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So none of them set out to make bad shows. So you have to get into the mind of thinking about what was the director or what was the choreographer's intent when editing this shot? Why is this scene here? What is this character's purpose in the plot? And it requires you to put your mind in the, in the mindset of people who lived decades before. You know, what kind of show did they want to make? Mm-hmm. And you can argue after that point, like, were they successful or not? And sometimes they weren't, sometimes mm-hmm. they weren't. But you have to understand the intention there was to make the best show that they could with what they had. So that, that's how I think about it, is giving everybody involved with these shows the benefit of the doubt, even if it's not your thing specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's always a bummer when I feel like, because I mean, with the Godzilla films, I'm definitely a huge fan of the the older ones. But I, yeah, I did kind of have to learn. I'm like, just because I like the older ones more than the newer ones doesn't mean you have to disparage people who feel it differently, you know? And I remember someone critiquing Ultraman Z. They said it was super shallow, this and that, you know, but I got them to concede that's like, but you know what? Look at how many people were united around the single show. And like me, yeah, I mean, not it was just like it was a worldwide event, like that was amazing. Week after mm-hmm. week, people were tuning in worldwide to watch the show, and they were like, Yeah, okay, that's a really good point. And like it kind of helped him appreciate it more. So, I, I just say that because it is unfortunate to see people miss out on you know shows like Ginga because they're an older fan or people who like Orb and you know, Geed, but they, they don't want to uh watch anything from the older. Uh, era because they think the suits look goofy and stuff like that and it's just yeah it's always I I don't think there's ever going to be a a way to solve that tension but you've been around a little bit longer than we have so I was kind of curious to hear your thoughts about how you've navigated that yeah it's just like I said it's always something that's going to be in the fandom Mm -hmm. so ultimately even if you have your favorites like my favorite part of the Ultraman franchise are the 90s series. So what we call the TDG trilogy, Tiga, Dinah, and Gaia. That's my favorite era of Ultraman, bar none. Um, But again, that's not going to be everybody's taste. Some people like the Zero movies. Some people like the Showa stuff. I know somebody who is the most dedicated, diehard Return of Ultraman fan (laughs) I have ever encountered. That man loves that show with a passion I aspire to. Um, But... Again, everybody has different tastes. Like we talked about this with episodes. You have what is your favorite Mm -hmm. and it may not be the best, Mm -hmm. but it's your favorite. Yeah, that's very fair. What, uh, what about you, Chris? I mean, you've, you've watched Z and you've watched Ultraman now, and I know you've watched like, you know, the absolute conspiracy and stuff like that, but you know, you're noticing these differences. I mean, 
do you find yourself gravitating towards one or the other? Because I mean, it's not like every show's in an era is the same, but if you're talking about aesthetically, tonally, you know, stuff like that, what's kind of been your your thought there? See, it's really funny because we talk about these eras and all these stuff, and I'm like, I you could tell me that like common um, writer you know, ZO is in one and I'd be like, sure, you're probably right. I'll believe you. Um, <laughs> or you'd be like, you know, Sentai was in the show era. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I'd be like, okay, you know better than me. Um, so it's almost funny, like to me, how like inconsequential these titles really are for enjoying mm-hmm. the show. Like, cause yeah. I, I live my life perfectly bless blessedly unaware of what these words mean and what series are, which, um, but in terms of like, uh oh, <coughs> gross. Um, D- did your sneeze go. literally make you freeze? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, that's funny. You froze for both of us. We're like, what just happened? Oh, funny. I guess yeah. The force of my sneeze. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if I've seen enough. I old, absolute conspiracy lost me a little bit in the nonstop action. Mm-hmm. And the nonstop CG action, and it's not because CG's bad. Puppets are better. So Blah. let's let's take absolute conspiracy out. So you watch Ultraman and Ultraman Z. Let's uh-huh. kind of keep those into perspective. Because I mean, absolute conspiracy is like what you'd consider like an OVA for anime kind of. Yeah, like true, it's on the true. side, but yeah. Um, so return of Frieza. Um, yeah, I I thought Z. I I liked Z because I thought that almost every character had a little more clearly done. Uh, a little more clearly established goals and tensions and a dynamic. Whereas Ultraman, I thought um, Z was very like plot driven compared to Ultraman. Like Z was working towards something and we may not have known the whole time what it was working toward or um, if it changed in the middle, what it was working toward. But um, that, that speaks to me a little more than the serialized shows. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, Return of Ultraman is really where that kind of becomes more of a thing, right? Okay. Yeah, Return of Ultraman definitely has a distinctive character arc for its main character, Mm -hmm. whereas Ultraman and Ultra 7 don't. Yeah. I mean, they've got characters that are consistent, but they don't really develop or change as the show goes on. They just are what they are, and they play their role in the plot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember in Ultraman, uh, Return of Ultraman, they had a few episodes where they actually referred to previous episodes. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And so I figure mm-hmm. that kind of progresses. But my guess is if I had to take a guess, we don't really see like the more plot-driven series until like Tiga would be my guess. Tiga actually is almost entirely an anthology Oh, is it? Series. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, okay. it establishes sort of this general idea of like, thing like... S is F at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really follow up on that for most of the series until about 10 episodes before the end. And then they really start bringing in a lot of setting elements okay. to set up what is supposed to be this final apocalyptic showdown. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the series is almost entirely disconnected oh, episodic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dinah brings in a little bit more recurring plot, but again, most of it's anthology stuff. But there you can see the characters develop over time. Gaia. Every single episode in Gaia plays into the overarching plot in some way. Hmm. So even if they have disconnected threats, the way that different characters react to it has a really distinctive arc that follows a specific 
and well-defined plots. I like that. Which is why Gaia is awesome and you guys all need to watch mm-hmm. it. Okay, so maybe we, we could say Gaia and then especially Nexus. Nexus really takes yeah, that. Yeah, Nexus definitely. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen Cosmos yet, so I can't speak on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I did forget about Cosmos. <laughs> I think a lot of people do, to be honest. Yeah. How many episodes sure of, of that are there? Like 80? There are 65. 65, that's it. Good golly. Yeah. That is not on our schedule anytime soon. Uh, actually, on our schedule at all. So don't worry, Chris. Nope. It's like a two month show. Uh, it's more than that. I mean, Ultraman for us was a two month show. So that would be like three or four. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, doing a show like Ginga is going to be nice because you guys can just get the first season knocked out in two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll do yeah two for Ginga, then two for Ginga S. And then we'll be doing Ultra 7 after that. I think we've got five episodes for Ultra 7. So, um, so let, yeah, let's, let's have a Z chat. I don't think we haven't really had a chance to talk about Z. And this is something Chris can partake in because, <laughs> well, he hasn't watched King Kong vs. Godzilla yet. So, or Godzilla Pri, what were your thoughts about Ultraman Z? Ultraman Z is my favorite new gen series okay out of all them previously it was g but i forget where it was um i want to say it was probably around episode i you know what it was episode 11 it was the red king episode where i sat down i said if this show continues on this arc it is going to be my favorite of the new gen Mm -hmm. modern series Mm -hmm. and it did uh it delivered on that i was really happy to see how well it developed that with the main character, with Z himself, with the setting that they had developed up to the end, which was a really good finale. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like, because, I mean, you've watched Orb, so without getting into spoilers, mm-hmm. do you feel like, I guess we'll just call him Hebikura, uh, do you feel like his character... Like that was that was actually without even being familiar with who he was really. That was one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. about the whole series. Like just Absolutely. that dynamic. So yeah, and it's interesting because even if you know where Heavy Kura comes from, that you're still not quite sure what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. There's still that little bit of uncertainty of like, is he going to go completely selfish with this or is he going to you know, genuinely help people and put himself on the line and everything like that. So I like that even if you're somebody like me who knows the rest of his story, there's still a lot of interest in there because you're not quite sure what he's up to. Mm. So I really liked how they played that. And a lot of that is the actor's way of playing him. He's been playing this role for like, okay, what was it? 2016 when Orb came out. So five years now at this point. He, he knows the character pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> so he plays him very well on screen. Yeah. What about That's you, Chris? Awesome. I mean, this was your first, you know, real, like, full Ultraman series. So, I mean, obviously it was enough for you to agree to do this. But, I mean, what were your overall thoughts about the show? I mean, it was really fun. I It was something cool that came up on YouTube that um, I coming into Sentai watching that on Mill Creek was really cool to have a different show that I was like, I can try it on YouTube. It'd be fun for a couple of 25 minute slots. And then I found myself like actually sitting at 7.30 waiting for the live stream to start. And then <laughs> Which I, was I like, wasn't even doing that. Well, and I was <laughs> like, it's awesome. Friday night and I'm sitting yeah. on YouTube. Awesome. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. I thought it was a really fun take. And I think you're right. Like that episode 11, I was like, I don't know how they're going to carry this for 40 more episodes. Like Sentai, and then I didn't realize I only had 15 more. But <laughs> yeah, I always like every show that I know has like a one or two episodes where like just the shift happens. It's where you know you like it. And it was a little later than most series that I than I give most series, but glad I stuck around. Yeah. Yeah, it was I always enjoyed having those like late night Friday text sessions with you after we had a chance to watch the show. Like because obviously we were doing the Kaiju Apostle podcast then, but I think that's when I was like, man, I really want to find a way to transition. Like deep down I did because we were having better conversations about Ultraman than we did Godzilla sometimes. And I'm like, okay, something's mm-hmm. got to give. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I love seeing you get into it. Cause I mean, I wasn't really that ahead of you, but it was nice to like, I don't want to say nice, but it was, it was cool to see you jump into it without really needing any encouragement. And that's just, it was such like, I can't even imagine like, you know, Jeed and Orb and X, like they're fun shows, like they're really good shows. But this was like the perfect show to do this like worldwide simulcast. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine any of those other shows, in my opinion, being as effective to like really get this boom going the same way. Like there's yeah. just something for everybody and just the overall message that it had. And it was so self-contained as well, in my opinion. Um, like I had no idea that, you know, Sevenger and Wyndham were previous, you know, entities in the Ultraman franchise, you know, whereas if you would have watched Jeed, like you, you would need to know who Belial was and all this stuff. Like, I mean, it's fine. Like it's, I'm sure you could still watch it, you know, but then you get into, or it's just, to me, I feel like it's a, it's a really good, it was a really good choice for them to do what they did. I will definitely say that Z deals with the legacy aspects. For the most part, I think the Jeed crossover kind of loses it a little mm-hmm. bit uh, than what Jeed did. And I still advise Jeed as a first time series because you can definitely mm. enjoy it a lot, even if you don't know anything about Zero and Belial's rivalry before that point. But it helps a lot. <laughs> a lot of the emotional weight of the series comes from seeing how that arc is resolved. So if you come into that blind, you're still going to enjoy it but you're not going to be like me who is literally sobbing at the end of the episode. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I won't use her. Uh, I mean, she uses her real name, Andy, but her, her painting of uh, Riku and. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that. That's, that's what, that scene. Yeah, that's what convinced me to commission her to do our artwork when I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've got to pay her money. <laughs> to to paint for us it's so good it yep. was my phone background for a while actually um yeah okay so i think we're in agreement ultraman z is awesome definitely excited to see what comes from trigger which i mean does anyone have any theories i i, I feel like most people who are listening have probably heard all the generic theories that have gone on chris is probably like what's ultraman trigger i bet Maybe. ultraman's gonna be in it yeah so you know <laughs> Uh, but for those who aren't aware, what is the running theory on Ultraman Trigger, Pre? So there has actually been an official image. Yeah. It's mostly a silhouette that's been released of Trigger with Tiga. Mm-hmm. So in all likelihood, this is going to be a continuation of what is called Subaraya's Neo Frontier setting, which is the universe that Tiga and Dinah both take place in. 
Um, this is a bit of an interesting one to talk about because the way that ultras work in that setting is different from the M78 ultras. Um, they're not really distinct living beings as hmm. much as they are an expression of humanity's power and as potential as you move into the future. Uh, so it's far more of an individualized sort of power than giant alien combines with human hosts that what you guys are used to. So it'll be interesting to see if they stick to that or if they go off in a different direction. Yeah, it's a... Uh... I know the joke at first was, you know, trigger, oh, gun, Ultraman's going to be running around with a gun, which, of course, that's not going to be what happens. Um, but it'll be interesting to... It worked for zero. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I kind of wonder, like, because I think I've seen people suggest that, like, some things are going to be, you know, rewritten or undone in history and stuff like that. So I'm, like, in my head, I'm just thinking, like, trigger being, like, a trigger event, right? Something big is going to happen. And maybe we see something tie in because I mean, obviously something crazy is going on with absolute conspiracy. There's no way around it, you know, especially that cliffhanger there at the end, which looks like mm -hmm. Ultraman zero, but we don't know who it is um, or ultra seven, excuse me. So yeah, it, it's, it'd be curious to see what trigger actually ends up being, but yeah, I, 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 I'll be curious to see what happens. I just want more Ultraman. Let's just be honest. Not that we really need any more. We've got, what, 30 different shows to work through at this point, pretty much. But yeah. So do you think, uh, Chris, do you find yourself, like, if this is another YouTube thing, are you going to block out your, your Friday nights for a little bit of YouTube date? I would have. Um, I was on board to watch The Heroes Odyssey, if that was what it was called. So I realized it was just uh, kind of a clip show. And there was a show that we were gonna watch anyway, so it's like I'd rather watch the show. But um, yeah, I was I was gonna watch I was gonna watch that to keep watching Ultraman. So it, I'm I'm hoping it's online. I'd be really yeah. bummed if it wasn't. Considering how successful Z was, I'd be very surprised if they didn't do it. Like you mentioned, the toyeticness of the show, those Bandai commercials were working. I'm like, do yes. I want the vinyl heroes? No, but I do. Actually, <laughs> it was more effective for me than it was for my son. Like my son's been conditioned to like, if he sees a toy, he knows not to ask for it. Right. So when we go through Target, we may go through the toy aisle and he knows the song just looking right. Doesn't mean we're going to buy anything. <laughs> but then for me, I'm sitting on the couch like I want that shirt. I want these toys. Why can't I go to the stage show? Ah, right. You guys are going to hate Ginga. <laughs> No toys. Because the entire show I've is seen about it. selling I love vinyls. It. I, I love Ginga. I actually... No, I'm going to bite my tongue about Ginga S. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Ginga's great. I don't mind the toyetic element. I don't because I get it. You have to make money. And here's the thing. You can complain about the toyeticness, but in the freaking original Ultraman, there's Sofubi, like, kaiju in the background of different episodes. <laughs> so there are already yeah. toys. Like, it's always been about toys. Mm -hmm. And I've seen Ultraman Taro, and let me tell you that those vehicle designs are that way for one reason and one reason only, and that is to sell toys of them. Amen. But it works. I mean, come on, Rabbit Panda. Like, why else would you have that thing with the giant honking clown nose on the front of it? Yeah. And, I mean, you can... Star Wars, even. I mean, that's it was toys. Like... Mm -hmm. that's just mm -hmm. that's how it is so i don't know that's that's one of 
when I say one of my favorite critiques, it's my favorite because I'm like, okay, it's such a bad faith argument that I'm just yeah. Like, at this point, I'm just checking out of the conversation when that gets thrown in. It's people whose favorite show was He-Man and She-Ra and G.I. Joe and Ghostbusters complaining about how everything's a toy commercial. And it's like, <laughs> have you grown up in the 80s cartoons where Saturday Morning Block was a toy commercial? Yeah. Uh-huh. I grew up with Pokemon and Zoids. Well, exa- I know all about that. Yeah. Oh, Zoids. Oh, man. <laughs> I loved. It, I think it was the original. I don't know. Maybe it was the first series that we would have seen here in the, the West. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a fun show. Um, Man, that just takes me back to like Toonami. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Staying oh. up until 1 a.m. to watch some Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yeah. I see. I I never watch Cowboy Bebop, but I'm, yeah, I'm. So I was when I say like Toonami, I was watching like Gundam Wing. I was watching Dragon Ball Z. Oh, Gundam Wing. Um, yes. Was Ronan Outlaw Star? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yu Hakusho. Uh, yeah. was Ronan Warriors on Toonami? It was. Okay, so watch that. I don't. I watched that one too. Yeah, I don't know what the actual name is for that show. Um. Like in Japan. So watch that. What else was it back then? Um, I'm drawing a blank. It's right there. Uh, Roroni Kenshin. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a really good one. I've actually been wanting to watch the live action ones of those because I've heard they're really good. Um, but always. They also have a common writer alumni in him. Okay. Oh, funny. That's good to know. I just, I love the idea of a somewhat pacifist swordsman who was, you know, Batosai the Manslayer. Like, it was just such an interesting concept with that show. And I've never really gone back and given it the time. But I just remember even as a kid being like, this is a lot deeper than I'm used to. Because I was a Dragon Ball Z fan of that. And let's be honest, that's like surface level across the board. Yeah. But it's just like a cartoon for us. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Okay. Last question, Pre. Mobile suit. Live action movie just got announced today. It's dropping on Netflix. And the director is, what is it? John Vote Roberts? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, the guy from Kong Skull Island. And he's doing the the Metal Gear movie when it comes out. How do you feel? Because I know you're a big Gundam fan. I trust him far more. Oh, (laughs) I mean, not really, actually. I haven't seen actually that many series. Uh, But I do like me some giant robots. (laughs) And I have seen enough probably to make some sort of assumption about <laughs> how this is going to go um i i trust the director far more with metal gear solid than mobile suit gundam uh mostly because i don't trust anybody with the live action mobile suit gundam because there is only one studio there's only one movie that i've ever seen that has actually captured the weight and the presence of the motion of a giant robot on a on a movie screen and that was Pacific Rim. So I don't trust anybody <laughs> to do justice to this property. It's still technically so. they're both technically legendary films though. Yeah, but still <laughs> I, it's, Sorry, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't have Guillermo del Toro, so I, I don't want to hear about Which, it. Which to clarify it's Jordan Boat Roberts. It's not John Boat Roberts. Excuse me. Okay, um, yeah, no. Yeah. Monsterverse is getting really weird if these are all legendary films. <laughs> See, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like, I, I mean, I'm excited, especially having 
Like, I don't feel like you'd throw a name on that unless you're like really trying to take it serious because he hasn't done a lot, but he's he's a hot a hot name, right? I mean, Kong Skull Island did really well. People are excited for the Metal Gear film. So like, I think he's a good choice. I don't know. He might be a safe choice in a way, but you're right. I mean, for me, it's less about the action or like the the physics because I, I I'm with you. I think Pacific Rim handled that weight well. I think Uprising did not. It took a step in the wrong direction. But then Pacific Rim to Black went in the right direction again. Um, I'm more concerned about just the fact that if we're gonna do a mobile suit Gundam movie, you know, it's it's a very I mean it's more than just the pacifism element. There's a lot of psychological and existential stuff going on as well. That yeah. I don't know if that's really like if you want to get people to watch. I don't know. I mean and. and- yeah, and and what the original series was is very different from what the setting the um from what that setting in Gundam developed into later mm-hmm. on with stuff like Unicorn. Yeah. So it's a question of are they going to stick with just the material from the first series, or are they going to do some sort of revisions to bring it more in line with what it became later? Yeah, yeah, because I mean the writer himself, I mean he's got some decent stuff under his belt, like he did Saga. Uh, he's done um, Why the Last Man. So, I mean, like, oh, uh, that Brian, dude. Brian yeah. K. Vaughn. So, like, he's a good writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a really good he writer. Is. So, I'm not pessimistic, but again, it's kind of like, is it going to be just a generic robot mecha movie that will sell, or will it actually be something that, like, you know, I don't want a rehash of the original mobile suit, right? But it would be nice to have. That's what we already have movies for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But it would be interesting to see them actually like try to. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I just I I was really surprised to see that name being Boat Roberts attached just because, I mean, he really hasn't done a lot. I mean, again, Skull Island, he's going to be doing the, uh, you know, the the Metal Gear movie. So I was like, I mean, Gundam's a big deal. So I don't know. I mean. Uh, consider me like I'm excited, but and then Chris, I think you're kind of. Have you even watched Gundam before? I've seen Seed and Wing. Okay, okay. But this was like, like I said, at midnight on Toonami. Yeah, and I was like IDK twelve, so I don't remember a ton. <laughs> See, I feel like if we're gonna get like a completely bonkers Gundam movie, we just need to have G Gundam as a movie. That would be great. Ex- that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> that would be that uh, movie is never gonna uh, that movie's never gonna get no, made. No, not at all. Freaking and especially no. all the the completely racist stereotypes too. It's just so <laughs> bad, but oh man. Give me a windmill gundam, you cowards. <laughs> so they I'm have gonna uh, need extensive show notes. Yeah. It's uh h- how would you explain it? Like there's like a big tournament almost of sorts where every country has their Gundam and the Gundam's based around something in their country. Like, And then there's also like a technological virus yeah. that's going to destroy the earth that people are trying to get a hold of. And the main character is looking for his brother. And there's, there's lots of wild stuff in the show. I love yeah. it. It's, it's one of my favorite animes, but there's no way absolutely no way you can make a live action movie out of it can't believe that went wrong weird 
<laughs> so what was the main characters? It was Domo and Kashu. Was that right? Okay. Yes. yes. And then Master Asia. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Master Asia. Who, ha- who, who has his Gundam called Master Gundam. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a horse. And the horse has a horse Gundam. Yeah. So his Master Gundam can ride on the horse Gundam into battle. I just... I cannot believe that Neo Mexico's Gundam was Tequila Gundam. <laughs> oh my god! No, no. The best part is the American colony called Neo America has an orbital defense system that's a giant laser that's in a replica of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that one was good too. <laughs> oh oh man. my god! Yeah, seriously, watch G Gundam. And that goes for anybody listening to it by this point. I'm sure everybody's logged off by this point. Watch G Gundam. <sighs> yeah, I'm scrolling through. So you have Jester Gundam. Um, let's see, Grizzly Gundam. That was it. <laughs> Canada. The Canada one, I think. Yeah, that was really good. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it was actually a really fun show. But yeah, and then like Noble Gundam, <laughs> the Sailor Moon Gundam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah. I, I still think... It's been so long since I've seen it, but 8th MS team, like, it's one of those shows Mm -hmm. that I don't remember any episodes, but I remember how it made me feel. Like, it was almost haunting to a certain extent. That's one that I... Oh, sorry. No, you're good. So that's one that I've been meaning to see for a while because I haven't yet, but everything I've heard about it makes it sound like what you described, really worth watching. Mm -hmm. And also, I've built like three kits from this show for Gunpla. I kind of owe it by this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, whenever you have shows that actually like try to encapsulate like the the reality of war, I mean, obviously, it's going to be embellished to a certain extent. But, you know, between that and uh, I started watching Iron-Blooded Orphans and that was really good, too. Um, But yeah, just these shows that like, I mean, yeah, they're going to have war and you're going to have the guns to be a marketable thing. But you really don't lose sight of the fact that like lives are lost. Like you actually see it. And that's what I've loved about the Gundam series, not to be morbid, but like you don't ever lose sight of the lives lost. Whereas in Godzilla movies, we've talked about that, like, or even in Ultraman. I mean, you assume people are being destroyed in the buildings, but you never actually see yeah. it. Uh, or very rarely do you see it. But a couple years ago, um Twitch uh, had I forget which channel hosted it, but there was a marathon of the Power Rangers mm-hmm. series that was going on on Twitch. So what? we were watching that and, you know, reliving childhood nostalgia. And there was the running gag that anytime, you know, a building exploded when they had the giant robot fight or anything, we'd go thousands dead oh. headline tomorrow morning. And just that that's a recurring thing in all those shows now. You have Ultraman literally body slamming a kaiju <laughs> through a building, and you know there's no way they could have evacuated no. everybody in time. Yeah. Which makes the first episode of Mabius so good because of that. Rio is such a well, jerk. Everybody takes that out of context, but that's actually the I point. Know. I know. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that episode, I was like, okay, I really need to stick with this one. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was fun. Chris, I do have to ask you, though, really quick. Not to cut pre off here. What in the heck is happening with Falcon and Winter Soldier? You like know, we're on episode event, four at this Events point. are happening in an order. Yeah. Um, there's just so many of them that I can't be I can't be bothered to care about every single one. <laughs> I know. 
It's not structured at all. I just honestly, yeah. <laughs> you should see his face. <laughs> I don't think you've ever, we've never had a conversation about the MCU where you felt this way. I just, I just can't imagine. I just, I, it's got to be working for someone, but yeah. it's not me. I'm just going to say Baron Zemo in a nightclub is great. I'm glad I have that. I will never be upset about that. And the <laughs> Dory Milaje, the, the fighting in the, in the room was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the ending of episode four was absolutely disturbing. I, yeah, which is fine. It's, it should have been. Yes. And that's where I'm just like, we have two episodes to go. Yeah. Which mercifully, honestly. <laughs> Are you going to watch a uh, Loki pre? Need to turn my mic back on. There we go. Um, I don't have a Disney Plus subscription, and I don't like the idea of giving Disney more. You of can my use money. Chris's, like Sorry, I do. Disney. <laughs> For legal purposes, plan. that was a joke. <laughs> Please don't send your ninjas after us, Disney. Yeah. Uh, it sounds interesting. I wonder how much money they threw at Tom Hiddleston to get him to do this role. How again. much money they threw at Owen oh, Wilson? I, I take that back. Oh yeah, yes. that's right. I forgot he's in there. Yes. Wait, no, Owen Wilson or Luke Wilson? No, it's Owen, Owen Wilson. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, uh, cool to see him back. Wow. Um, it, it does. It does sound interesting. It's just I've been so burned out on MCU stuff yeah. ever since Endgame, and I don't really. I'm not jumping at the chance to get back into it because then you know how all these are set up. You'll watch the show and it's never just the show. It builds into another movie or ties into another series. And I don't want to have to feel like I'm following six different things mm -hmm. after this. My yeah. brain doesn't work that so way. So that's the main reason. Hmm? You keep freezing, Chris. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I just, I just don't want to. That's why I'm hesitant about getting back into yeah. it. And that's why I was hesitant to jump into Falcon, but I was like, I'll watch the first episode. I was like, oh, okay. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of been Zemo in a nightclub. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I, I get that. Loki just feels, and that's the thing with like WandaVision is unique enough where I was like, okay, this is really cool. I feel like Loki will be the same way. And then we're just going to end up getting some like another generic action, whatever, after that. And, Right. I don't know. But, okay, so it, it's good to hear that there's other people burned out. I mean, I know there's, like, some MCU diehards, which, fine, whatever. That's that's your thing. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of this weird, like, I feel like I'm, ob like, they almost want you to feel obligated to watch it. And, of course, they'll be like, no, no, you don't need to. But they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't make you want mm -hmm. to watch everything else. It's all about the money. Okay. Yeah. It is almost midnight for you. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. All right, teach. Probably probably need to get some sleep. But <laughs> yeah, for you Zoom class again. <laughs> no, she you're back in person, right? We've been in person actually yeah. okay. since the beginning of March. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I know you had that like that scare for a minute and then ended up being you guys were able to stick around, so that's good. So yep. Well, thanks for sticking with us. And yeah. uh, if you're still great. listening, um, make sure you follow her on Twitter. Uh, she, I mean, that 
I will say there's like three accounts that I really miss following on Twitter and yours is one of them just because of like all the, I mean, it's between your threads and just all the awesome memes that you posted, but mm-hmm. um, definitely make sure you follow her over at Twitter. It's sunglass pre, sorry to steal your thunder, but you stole mine earlier. So it's Ooh. deserved. Ooh. Um, and then cool scarves and capes dot wordpress.com, right? Uh, capes. Oh, Capes and cool yeah, scarves. Capes and, sc- cape and school scarves. I'm you know, about the ones to buy that you that wear. Other URL. <laughs> Plug it into your URL bar, and it should be the first one to pop up. As far as I know, nobody else has stolen the name. <laughs> URL bar. Oh man, I can't wait till the internet explodes. All right, have a great night, everybody. Jeez. <laughs> 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 <laughs>